life. I'm Eli Shackleford, based out of Salt Lake City, and life is good, isn't it? Oh man, <laughs> oh it sure is full and nuanced and rich and sweet and good. Hey, I need to give a huge shout out to Way Good Life supporters. Thank you. I mean, seriously, thank you. You have blessed me more than you know, and I am so grateful. Just today, my friend Eduardo from the Dave's Kitchen episode, he needed money to cover rent for the month, and I've been calling friends and looking for help and slowly gathering commitments. You should know, Way Good Life, that your support, you're the first donors. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's been a minute. I want to give an update. The Hip Hop Tour Bus broke down. The week was long and the show didn't happen. That was a drag. Like, seriously disappointing. But I'm confident that we'll get those dudes back to Utah. It's just a matter of time. And I'm excited about the new relationships that formed through that planning. Oh, you'll love this. Yesterday, I got to do food boxes again. <laughs> this is a great joke. I connected with my good buddy, Andrew Block. Hello, Andrew. We connected to go climbing and just to catch up, have a coffee, you know, whatever. But at the last minute, I texted and I said, Hey, man, let's meet here at this warehouse instead. So we met at a warehouse. We both filled our minivans with food. Yeah, because we both roll in minivans. All the cool kids are doing it. And then we hit the block. You know, in our MVs, knocking on doors, just giving out food, lots and lots of food. The moral is, the next time I ask you to go climbing, oh, be ready, my friend. You might just be climbing a bunch of apartment stairs with 25-pound boxes of food. What a fun day. Andrew was so down. He's a terrific guy. I am blessed to know him. By the way... If you're not serving people somewhere, somehow, you are the one missing out. Find a place. Invest your life. It's the best investment you'll ever make. If you don't have a place to serve, if, if you can't think of anything or don't have a local church or a community center, look me up. I will help you find one. And now, a story from my childhood. When I was young, not four or five young, but like teenage-ish years young, my dream came true. My grandpa, sort of, in an adopted sense, Todd Henry, gave me an amazing gift. All I wanted in those days was a horse. And this horse, this wasn't just any horse. Todd Henry gave me a pitch black, 16.5 hands high, three-year-old Tennessee walking horse. That horse... That horse was a horse among horses. Seriously, what a gift. By the way, I hope you have experienced the beauty of receiving so that you'll know, so that you'll understand the power of giving. That horse threw me through the air <laughs> half a dozen times, maybe a dozen times. Oh, the stories. No one knows except for me. But today is not a day for those stories. That's not really the point. The point is, you'll like this, I taught that horse to be ground tied. Ground tying, what's that? It's when you look that sucker in the eye, you throw those reins down on the ground, and that horse just stays there. Simple, right? You get off, 
you look that sucker in the eye, you throw them reins on the ground, and oh, this is the coolest part. That horse just stays there as if it was tied to a steel post. So I taught Cherokee, that was the name of my horse, I taught Cherokee to be ground tied. I did. Yeah, it's kind of a long story about how we got there. You know, I won't get into it. There were treats, there were bites, there were kicks. It's a long story. Whatever. But I taught that there to my horse. I did. I believed that. I did. I proved my belief in myself. Now, this is faith. Come on. I proved my belief in myself and my training and my horse one Sunday in front of my whole family. I looked that sucker in the eye. I threw those reins on the ground. I turned my back and I walked away. (laughs) It took me two hours to catch that horse. So I taught him again. I did. I believed in that horse. Even after that same horse, his name was Cherokee, left me stranded numerous times. Even after I had to chase that same horse, that Cherokee, miles and miles through the woods. Even after my parents got calls from neighbors saying, "Uh, I think we saw your horse running down the highway with a saddle underneath. Uh, Even after, you get it. I believed. That's the point. I believed that ground tying was a thing. But that horse, my horse, Cherokee, eh, he didn't go for that. He never did. Never. I mean, sure. There were a few minutes when I was looking that sucker in the eye in the pasture where there's nowhere else to go. And eventually, eventually, and I've never admitted this to any human being. This is the first time. Eventually, I stopped believing. Because my family, my friends, even that horse, Cherokee, was laughing at me. See, my belief didn't line up with reality. My belief said, look that sucker in the eye, throw those reins on the ground, walk away with confidence. (laughs) But reality said, as soon as that horse sees your eye and does a little, oh, it's cool, we're buddies, little puppy dog or horsey dog eyes or whatever, little smile or whatever, reality said, as soon as that horse knows that you can't catch him, that sucker is gone. So look, either I had to start tying my horse to something stronger than the old Eli eye, or I had to get used to running after a horse every single time. So, just like you would do, I started tying that horse up. I remember, I do, I remember the last time I ran through the woods after that horse, a bunch of people were at my parents' house. Like teenagers and cool kids. And there I was running through the woods like an idiot. <laughs> and I had a little moment of inspiration in those woods. You, you might say that God spoke to me. Because I thought, I can't teach this horse this trick. So listen, Shackleford. Change your behavior, you idiot. <laughs> I did. I changed my behavior. Because my beliefs, as much as I wanted them to be true, As cool as it is, and it is cool, to look a horse in the eyeball, to throw those reins on the ground, that is cool. It wasn't a reality. So instead of believing in a false reality, I changed my behavior. I started tying that sucker to a tree, or a rail, or my leg, (laughs) or anything stronger than Cherokee. That's the name of my horse. Because what I was doing 
wasn't working. Now look, it took me, I don't know, like three years or so to change my behavior to match my beliefs, but it probably could have gone quicker. I mean, how many miles, how many embarrassments, how many times does a 16-year-old boy have to throw the reins on the ground and then run after his horse before the truth settles in? I can tell you, it's more times than you would think. So this week, just this week, I was confronted with something kind of completely different, but also eerily similar. A behavior based on a belief that I had held for a long time. This week, Sunday morning to be exact, I had the realization that my belief wasn't lining up with the reality around me. But this time, instead of a horse showing me that something was off, another human did. This time, the bad behavior wasn't from a horse, it was from myself. So there you go. I'm 42 years old. And sometimes, I do things that are so childish. <laughs> oh, you'd think ground tying a horse was solid genius. Oh, and this was one of those times. Now, no need for details, but the question posed to me, which led to this revelation, was, Eli, you don't like to be wrong, do you? How do you answer that question? Like, seriously, because come on, nobody likes to be wrong. So, you can agree with a person, which proves their point, or you could disagree with a person, which also proves their point even more. So, no need for details, but this little question led to a long conversation, which led to me understanding some, uh, how do I put this delicately? <laughs> Because I'm sort of a delicate human being. This, this led to me understanding some areas in my life that could use some growth. There it is. Listen, I hope that you have friends who not only affirm your greatness, because you do have greatness and you are unique. You are powerful and brilliant and beautiful in your way. And I know this is true. I know this is true because I've never met any human who's not. So, I hope you have those friends who can affirm that in you, but I also hope that you have those friends who love you enough to let you know where you... How do I put this delicately? Friends who, who let you know where you, in all your glory, could use some growth. I know. I know, you're probably just fine how you are, but seriously, in case you're like me, and you do have all sorts of places where, I don't know, how do I put this delicately, <laughs> where you never grew up, I hope, I hope that you have some friends that can speak reality into those areas, because those friends, those people, they are gold, man, they are like Benjamin, people pay for that kind of friend. <laughs> like literally, we call them counselors and also coaches. Walter Winchell says, A real friend walks in when everyone else walks out. I've always loved that quote. Or Mother Teresa who says, Don't expect your friends to be perfect, but help your friends to be perfect. That's friendship after all. Hmm, so good. There's this little line 
in a very small letter of ancient wisdom called Hebrews. It's kind of a ridiculous name. Uh, I mean, it is really, if you think about who wrote it and where it comes from. But, but the line is good. It says this, Consider, by which the author means meditate on or, or think about these things. Consider how we may spur one another on. Oh, that's horsey language, by the way. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds or, or actions or, or full lives. Some say that the line should be, consider how we should stir one another up as if we're human lattes. So if you're from the West, go ahead with spur one another on. That's horsey language. But if you're even more West, like left coast millennial West, uh, stir that latte, brosive. I don't really care what you say. I've always liked the idea that we should be meditating on, that we should be thinking about, that we should be pouring energy into how we can spur on or stir up our friends. Hmm. There it is. And I go after friends that will interact with me this way. I hold on to those people. I don't let them go. Because not only do I want to be a friend like that, but I want friends like that in my life. And so I hope that you have friends like that. You should also know at some level, I mean, you already know this, where you need to grow, areas that you are most frightened to have revealed, kind of give these indicators. You can always start there. You can. If you have trouble identifying areas of growth in your own life, just think big picture. Here, here's one example. What things always, <laughs> I'm literally air quoting always as I record this, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> what things always happen to you? What bosses do you always end up with? Who do you always date? Where do you always overdo it? What things do you always regret? What do your arguments always go to? with your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your friends, your parents. Why do these sort of people always misunderstand you? How do your friendships that end always end? Where do you always get the short end of the deal? What things always happen to you? Surprise. Those things, those things are on you. Reoccurring things are one of the best examples that the universe gives us to reveal what's broken in us. Those things that always happen to us, they are generally on us. So let me be clear. That stuff is your fault. And if you'll stop blaming your boss, your employees, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your friends, your parents, if you'll stop with that nonsense, then instead of repeating these things again and again and again until they become always, you can own them. You can grow up. You can move into a whole different set of problems. Come on. I know. I know because I mess up more than any of you and I have to do these things regularly. I've been reading recently from the brilliant writings of this Jewish dude named Jacob. He wrote a book that somehow made it into the Christian Bible. 
<laughs> like barely. The history there is is really interesting. Uh, it made it into the Bible under the name of James in the Christian Bible. It's only five chapters, but it is gold, diamonds. Jacob, who wrote James, had one primary objective. And this might surprise you. It wasn't that you would believe certain things. He actually makes fun of, air quotes again, believers. And he quotes the most sacred text of his day, his own most sacred text, I might add. He says, like, what good is it to believe those things? His goal, Jacob, who wrote the book of James, his goal, his one thing, was that people would be whole and healthy. So he uses the Greek word teleos, which literally means perfect. (laughs) So good luck with that. But then he goes on to describe perfect as perfectly consistent. And he also describes God that way. Whole, healthy, one, unified. In the words of Jacob, who wrote James, he writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. That's Jacob's language for God. And then catch this. He says this Father of heavenly lights does not change like shifting shadows. Hmm, that's how Jacob, you might know him as James, that's how Jacob sees God. And that's the perfection that he's writing about. He's saying this wholehearted goodness, this unity, this peace of spirit can be yours. His whole point, line after line, Religious people might say verse after verse, but we added those. You know that, right? There weren't verses. This was a letter. There were lines in a letter. His whole point, line after line, was that wholeness and health comes from doing what you say and saying what you do and living as consistently as possible. <laughs> I mean, he assumes that humans want to move towards goodness. So he's not saying if you have narcissistic behavior in one place, you should practice that in every place. No. His assumption is that you and me and my friends and my kids and my wife and my co-workers, that we all want goodness. Or you might say godliness. That we all want to be better people. That's his assumption. It's also the assumption of way good life. That we want to be people that we admire. And his whole letter, in fact, read it if you get a chance. It's so good. It's called James. It's found near the end of the Christian Bible. It's, it's a letter. His whole letter is a strong challenge to identify areas where you are faking it where you're fractured or broken or missing, uh, you're, you're unwhole, you're incomplete, you're inconsistent, underdeveloped or undeveloped. So he writes this letter many years ago to challenge us, to call us out and to lead us forward. Because this Jacob fella believes that consistency is worth fighting for. And I believe that too. That you, me, our friends, our co-workers, our family, that we are better, healthier, happier when we are the same human at the bar or the bonfire as we are in the church hall or the 
dinner table, that your vocational life would match your devotional life, that your private life would match your public life, that you would be you, would be you, and that you would be growing now, always, ever, constantly. <laughs> the arriving is not the perfect. The growing is the perfect. There it is. If we could pause, if we could hear that, with that great truth, we wouldn't be so upset when someone said, you don't like to be wrong, do you? No, we'd be excited. Because it's not the completed that's perfect. There's, there's no such thing. It's the path to completion. So Jacob, that's the guy who wrote the book that we call James. Jacob says, our words are our most dangerous, powerful weapon. He also thinks that they're a great tool, that, that words reveal things that are deep inside. And he understands that the things that come from our mouths have incredible power. So he begs his listeners, that's me, that's you. He begs us to pay attention and to move from inconsistency to wholeness to health. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Did I mention that? Failure for me, I mean absolute failure, would be if my kids heard me speak one way in my church and another in my home. Failure would be if I treated my wife better in public than in private. Failure would be if my closest friends and family hadn't heard me apologize and repent and acknowledge my own issues. Sometimes it feels like I have to do this daily. And success, success for me, doesn't mean being right about everything all the time or, or never being wrong, even though, come on, some of us like to be right more than others. Success means being on a path of growth. It means being better today than yesterday. It means being thankful, like thankful when friends point out the inconsistencies. Come on, I'm just like you. I'm always ticked off at first. But I want to be the kind of person that receives correction quicker and quicker. Because I'm with Jacob. You know, the dude that wrote James. I think wholeness and health is a worthy goal. One of the greatest steps that we can take towards wholeness is to identify the areas in our lives that don't match up with who we want to be. See, everyone else sees your inconsistencies. They're watching you chase that horse through the woods. Stop doing it. Instead, just have a laugh and understand there are places where each of us need to grow up. So, a good life. Where are these places for you what steps can you take towards health, towards wholeness, towards consistency, towards perfect? And come on, start small. Maybe you talk when you should listen. Maybe you should drink one less soda a day. <laughs> or maybe seven less beers. Maybe you're late everywhere or on your phone at the dinner table. Or maybe you don't shower enough or don't put your shopping cart back. I, I don't know, but I hope... I hope that something comes to mind because wholeness, health, oneness, those are worthy things to move towards. They are. You know this because the people you most want to be around 
healthiest, the, the wholest, is that a word? I don't know. Those are the people who are honest, sincere, trustworthy, knowable, pure, good, beautiful, dependable, faithful. Their lives are full of love and grace and gratitude and mercy and truth too. Those are the people that you look up to and that I look up to. Uh, If I could look you in the eye right now, I would. And I would say this. You have that in you as well. I know you do. Because I have yet to meet someone who doesn't. And now... May you sense the divine voice that is never coercive but always winsome, that speaks in a gentle whisper, that knows your name. May you hear the one, the one that James says is fully one, calling you into fuller, deeper, healthier life. Be blessed. Be blessed.
Gonna fill you up with love 